we are continuing this series on relationships. Um, and as we talk about relationships today, we are going to talk about the people we marry. And so there are, uh, I am juggling a lot here. Here we go. Um, so Pastor Rick and I are going to work through this passage together. Um, it's going to look a little different this morning, and different is not only okay, different is outstanding. If that's how God wants it, then that's how it is, and it's his way, which is the best way. Amen? I just had a thought. Oh, no. Yeah, I did. Spontaneous on thoughts? On different, right? We have yes. not rehearsed this. No, no, but I was just thinking, right, today, right, you guys were all used to seeing Pastor Jen roam, and today oh, I'm she has to sit. <laughs> okay, back to you. Are we going to talk about you loving and cherishing and being kind? Okay, I'm just checking. All right, so no. But seriously, guys, today we're going to talk about we, the people we marry, and what that looks like and what that means. What I don't want you to do is I don't want you to check out from this if you are not married. Okay? Because we're talking to all of us in this room. Because whether you are a younger person that is looking to develop yourself into the kind of husband or wife God is calling you to be, whether you are dating and looking more seriously at marriage in the near future, whether you are married, whether you are divorced, widowed, single, doesn't matter. Because do you remember in the very beginning that God called us to be a royal priesthood? The world is turning to advice. Your friends and your coworkers, they're showing up for coffee or at Starbucks um, or at Clarity or they're showing up to work with problems in their marriage. And the world is giving them a lot of advice and speaking a lot of words to them. So even if marriage isn't applying to you, God is equipping us for how to be that royal priesthood. And God is equipping us for who we will become. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we got to cover some ground rules on this one. We do. We do. Okay, we're going to cover some ground rules. Oh. Yeah? This is you want to do the first rule? Sure, sure. So um, we listen to God's word. It's for us. It's for each of us individually. It is not for your significant other, your spouse, your brother, right? Or the person you're dating. Yeah. So God's word may be for them, but what you're listening for is not what God's word is for them. It's what God's word is for you. Um, married couples, dating couples, as we talk through this passage, as we talk about what it means to be a husband and a wife, there is no poking. No. Did you hear that? No. no staring, no pointing, there is no social media post following or during service that relates to how your spouse should receive a, like, oh, well, I can't say, well, I'll just post. Pastor Jen said husbands need two wives, so there'll be none of those posts. You may post what God has to speak to you. Yeah. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so we're just going to leave the conviction part. That job is up to the Holy Spirit. It's not up to us. It's not up to you. And so I guess if everybody would just help me and repeat, I am not their Holy Spirit. I, I am, am not, not their, their Holy Spirit. Spirit. Okay. Look, yeah, you know what? Look at your neighbor, whether you're married to them or you don't even know them. Look at them and say, I am not. I am not. Your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. 
Okay, so with that, we want to jump in. Um, before we jump into our core text, which is Ephesians 5, 21 to 33, I want to give us a little bit of background. I want us to understand where this passage is coming from. And so we've actually got a slide up. I'm going to stand up this one time because you know I have oh, to point it. There she it. goes. I know. So I know this is a lot, right? Here's what I want us to understand, because what happens so often with this passage on marriage is either one, half of our Bibles start the passage with wives submit to your husband, and that is not where the conversation begins, or half of our Bibles begins with submit to one another out of reverence for God, and then wives submit to your husband, and that is not also not where the passage begins. So for us to have good context, I want us to understand that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's writing to them about all their relationships, which are highly dysfunctional. He calls them out on a few things. He tells them, don't get drunk with wine. That leads to debauchery. You guys, drunk makes you stupid. You can't have good relationships out of stupid. It does not work, okay? So, so he wonder- says... I wonder if that's what happened. So the guys, we were having our Saturday morning group, and we were talking. We I'm were concerned. we were in yeah, we were in Genesis. We were talking about Jacob and Leah, and Rachel. And so um, I wonder if that's what happened. Maybe there. too much wine on the wedding night. Yeah, that happened because the Bible has real stories of real accounts in it, right? And life is real. So anyway, we have don't get drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with spirits. Be filled with the Spirit. We've got that. But then Paul goes on to outline what that looks like in the context of relationships. So he's like, okay, you're not going to do that. You're going to do this. And you're going to do this by addressing one another in these ways. You're going to do this by singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So I wonder what kind of song my heart is singing. That's a great heart check. What song is my heart singing? We're going to do this by giving thanks always and for everything. And we're going to do this by submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he's laying out this pattern for healthy relationships. Today we're going to give into the first part of that, which is husbands and wives. But he also goes on to talk about what submitting to one another looks like with children and parents and what it looks like with bond servants or slaves, workers and masters. And that is all the foundation that we have for wives submitting to your husbands. We good, church? We know that this is not an easy text. So we're going to do our best to step through it and explain it. Equip us, build us up. With love and grace. With love and grace. Yeah. So before we get to that part, before we get to what it looks like for wives to submit to their husbands, in the context of marriage, we're going to talk about what does submission, what does mutual submission look like? And Paul elaborates a little bit for us in Romans 12, 10. And I think it's a great place for us to start all of this. He says, love one another and outdo one another in showing honor. So if we approach mutual submission like a ball and chain, that's how it's going to feel. But if we, promote, or if we approach mutual submission uh, as love and outdoing each other and trying to show honor, if I try to outdo you and show honor to you better than you show honor to me or more. So we're competing? To outdo okay, each other? maybe not in a ferocious gen competing kind of way. Maybe just in a normal out. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, Loving one another. We got that? Okay, all be, right, some context. But before Jen jumps into that, the wife's role, right? I want to point out a couple things, right? In the context of husband and wife, Paul continues with the word submit, right? We read in scripture back there that uh, in parallel sections about children and slaves, Paul is talking about obey. 
If the wife's submission were Wait, all, did you just say children obey? Children and slaves. In other words, sons, stop talking so much you're distracting your parents from preaching. Oh, obey? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just checking. Under the bus. Under the bus. So um, uh. if, if, the wife, if the wife's submission were always in the form of obedience... That agreement is required, right? Right. But obedience however, is required. Yeah, obedience is required. However, submission, submission is voluntary. So for me, you know, what does submitting to Jen look like, right? I'm, I'm, this ta I'm a tactical person, right? Jen is strategic. So what, for, is, what do you mean by tactical? So tactical is, you know, the near, near focus, the near term, yeah. things that are going on today, this week, you know, next couple months down the road. Strategic Jen is that visionary, right? She has this ability to vision cast, to look out, you know, months and years. And f how that, that form of submission in our relationship, you know, you think about finances. My tacticalness in finances, I'm able to, you know, take what we have now, the things that God has blessed us with Monthly now. budgets monthly are his budgets, deal. Right? He's I, great at them. I love doing monthly budgets. All the, <laughs> right? all the spreadsheets. <laughs> but, and, but, and I have multiple copies of them, yep, digital know. and, yes. and yep, handwritten. Yep, yep. But, but Jen is able to look out you know, a year from now and say, hey, here's what we'd like to be doing. Here's what I'd like to be doing. Or here's what I'd like our family to be doing a year from now. Or 10. Five years from now. 10 years from now. Yeah. Right? And, that, and I just can't do that. Another example would be, um, so most of you know, um, we're in the process of buying a home and moving to Indian Head. Right? God yeah. has led us there. Well, God started speaking to Jen about this well before we actually launched the church a year ago. Oh, a little over a year. Well, about a year ago. I just tried to give you a warning order. <laughs> hey, I think that God's going to call us to do this. I'm not happy about it, but I, I think this is on the horizon. But I've been moving for 20 plus years in the military. And so I am just in, and we, you know, move, move, move. And I'm like, no, we, we are have not great neighbors. moving again. Yeah. And, you know, it, it took some time. Uh, for God to work on me with that. Um, emotional intelligence is another area. So, but back up just a second, because what did submitting look like for you? Like in finances or in moving, like what did submission look like? Because yeah. it's not just I gave some order and we did it. Right. So God, you know, God tends to speak to Jen differently than he speaks to me. And so I, it takes me a little bit of time, but you know, I, God speaks to me as well. And I pray about that. I, com, I, I consider those things and, <clears throat> excuse me. And eventually, you know, we, God, the cool thing is God brings us, brings us into this point, right? Where, together. where yep. we're togetherness, right? And, uh, and if I can just, you know, emotional intelligence, I, that's not a strong suit of mine. EQ is not a strong suit. Reading people emotionally is not. Um, reading a room full of people is not. Um, recognizing emotional needs. But, but Jen is very good at that, right? She is able to, you know, see people and, and speaking to people or even around a room and read that piece. And that submission for me looks like, oh, I get a glance from across the room or I get a hand on my, right my knee that's reminding me, oh, I need to be considering of, of something. And so instead those, of instead of saying, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, you know, submitting in those areas is it's part of allowing her leadership 
and her skill sets to guide me, right? To Because God give us all different leadership and yeah. qualities and skill sets, right? But to guide me and inform me, my actions and decisions, right? That's not a weakness. That's not bad husbanding. Yeah, not That's all. just a godly partnership. It's, it's a godly marriage. Yeah. And I think it's important, men, to hear that again. It is not bad husbanding. It is not a lack of leadership. We complement one another. Each one of you in your own relationships as you're dating or looking to dating, you're going to find someone that has skill sets that are different from yours. And mutual submission means not being threatened by their strengths, but embracing their strengths so that as if you choose to get married, as the two become one, then you are more complete together and you're embracing that instead of fighting against that. So we're going to go ahead and dig into this passage and I want you guys to read with me. Um, we're going to go back to verse 21, which says Sub um, submit to one another and we're going to pick up and read to verse 24. And again, online family, that's, we're in Ephesians 5. So, um, let's back up. No, I think that's where it starts. Oh, okay. Yeah, verse 21. Yeah. All right. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of which he is the Savior, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. That is a whole lot of submit. Can I get an amen in the room? Oh, that's a lot of submit. So that's a lot of submit for any woman. That's a lot of submit for a redhead. I'm just telling you. So, but let me tell you what this does not mean. Submission does not mean inferiority. Submission does not mean required. Submission is voluntary. Submission is not wimpy or weak. It is not voiceless. Paul is not asking women to be wallflowers, to be mute, or be, to be subservient. He's not asking women to fade away in the background and not have a voice. Amen, church? Amen. Here's, because honestly, Paul gets a rap for being uh, a chauvinist a lot of times. Like, we read some of these passages and we think, man, Paul was a chauvinist pig. Like, really? Seriously? Let's, we got to keep it real here, right? And so, um, so what I want us to understand is that this is a time and culture where women were considered property. Not only were women not allowed to own their own property, they were considered the property of their fathers until they were married off, and their husbands once they were married. And at a time when, when women were considered property, Paul is talking about mutual submission. He's talking about a husband's responsibility to his wife. Um, I I'm actually going to back it up, and let's keep it real real in the house, because again, this is a time when women were considered property. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is talking about godly marital relations, right? And he says this in verses 3 and 4. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. Amen. 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 All right. We're going to keep that going. Um, <laughs> the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband in the same way. 
The husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Right, right. That was, and Leonard said, amen again, absolutely. And so, but at a time when women were owned, things to be owned, Paul says, no, 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 that is not God's way. God's way is that you mutually own one another, that mutually you are one, and you do not, women, take a position that is less, than. Right. So. Right. And and God holds men to another standard here, right? So husbands and guys, right? It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to create an environment that is safe, that is encouraging um, to our wives, that, that is encouraging for them to submit to, right? right. And so we're going to spend some time here unpacking what that looks like. Right, and I just want to point out, uh, really important. Right, the scripture says um, it does not. It does not say women submit to men. Right, it does not say wives submit to all husbands. Right, right. It says wives submit to your own, own husbands. husbands. That's right. So this position that women are just supposed to say yes to every man that yeah. tells them what to do is not godly. It's not biblical. And it's not a yes Lord thing, and right? And it's not a no. yes Lord thing. No, 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 sir. So anyway, but it says to submit to, to our husbands and to do that out of reverence for Christ. So if we're being real, right, if we're being honest in my human flesh, we have a pretty awesome marriage, but there are still times when I am not going to jump up to submit out of respect for Rick. There are times when we're in a place of disagreement or we're in a place of turmoil or we're just having a serious disagreement, right? That my submission to him is going to, become out, is going to come from my respect for God. It's going to be an offering that I put on the altar to God. God, you asked me to do this, so I'm going to trust you and do that. And the other side of that is, as we submit to our husbands, as we do out, out of reverence for Christ, as I do to the Lord, God doesn't ask me to submit to something that's not righteous. God doesn't ask me to submit to something that's negative or bad, and he never asked me to submit to sin. So that's just a perspective to have. The, the passage goes on to say that the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. And this is, a guys, we're equipping, we're getting into this, right? This is a passage, this verse, this phrase causes tons of controversy in the church. It is, it is the pinnacle of, of the, um, it's the tip of the balance between whether women can be in positions of authority or not be in positions of authority in many denominations. And so I want us to understand that husband is ahead of the wife as Christ is ahead of the church. That is a position of authority. It is not just the source of, it can be translated that way, but that's not accurate. It's a position of authority, but just because Rick has that position of authority doesn't mean that I, that I give up my authority. It doesn't mean that I give up or I can't lead. And the best example of that comes right from the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Spirit are all God. Amen, church? Amen. They are equal. One, does not, one is not more important than the other. Amen? Amen? Okay. And yet, Scripture teaches us that the Spirit only does what the Son says, and the Son only does what the Father says. Is that not submission to authority within that Godhead? Yeah? And, and yet, then Jesus tells us, he tells the disciples that he's talking about the Holy Spirit and he says, but one is coming who is greater than I. So the spirit that has to submit to Jesus, Jesus is saying is greater than he is. 
And so when we look in the context of marriage, just because I submit to Rick doesn't mean that I don't have authority or leadership of my own. And so I just want us to understand that submission doesn't restrict us from leadership. It, did not, it does not for us now, and it did not for women throughout the context of scripture, whether that was Deborah being a judge or the dozens and dozens and dozens of prophetesses that, that spoke um, on God's behalf, that taught, that led, whether it was house churches, we are not usurping or giving up our leadership to submit to our husbands. And I'm hoping that does some hearts good. Amen. Okay. So with that... Um, we, got, we had a couple questions come in as we prepared for this. And so one of the questions that we got was, well, what if what my husband wants me to do is wrong? I guess not. Okay, in Wellspring, they were honest and respond, reacted to that. Y'all are all quiet like, my husband never asked me to do anything I disagree with. No. What if... Well, there's two answers to that question, right? So if your husband's asking you to submit to sin, that's a no-go. Our husband's word never usurps the word right. of never God, word right? Of never, God, yeah. yeah. But what if I just disagree? What if? What if? Yeah. Have you ever done anything or said anything or asked me to do something that I didn't agree with? Do you um, think? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> Can somebody go to Clarity and get us a couple shots of espresso? Because clearly some of y'all are sleeping. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be as honest as I was in, at, at Wellspring. Suck it up, buttercup. Yep. <laughs> like, I, I just think that we really struggle with that word, submission. We do. We, we, we so often take that word to a level of, you know, subservient, right. where submission, you know, from my perspective is, 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 is in taking into consideration your needs yeah. and submitting to that. Yeah. I mean, that's what we talked about, you know, 100% on each side. That's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so there are going to be, so there have been times in our marriage where we, I, I disagreed with something. And, and so like we try to do like shallow end and deep end examples, right? When you're wading in the pool, you got the shallow end. What's that look like? We can laugh at that. The deep end, you got to hit your breath a little bit. So in the shallow end of what submitting looks like maybe, when I'm not in agreement. Is, maybe this is just too shallow to talk about. Maybe I we don't, should. I, I think, I, I don't know. So so when we first got married and we were on the same continent, because the first year of our marriage we were on separate continents, which was fun and exciting, um, but we were living in Tampa, we were getting ready to go on our first family vacation. We had the three boys, we were going to drive, get this, we rented a minivan, first family vacation, I think I lost my mind. We were going to drive from Tampa to Nebraska to upstate New York and back to Tampa in two weeks with three young boys. So not it, good judgment. We could have probably used fun, some discernment. Yeah. She said. So yeah, it was fun. And so I don't know if you've noticed that Rick and I are different. <laughs> we approach life differently. And so for me, if I have to be somewhere, um, I have to ask, Gina and I have a question we ask. She's been asking it for years. Does, is that on time, on time? Or like, is that 10 o'clock den time? Or is that 10 o'clock on time, on time? Like, do I really need to be there at a certain time? And so when I said, when is vacation? What time do we want to leave for vacation? I did not realize that I was writing, chiseling in stone what time we would be pulling out of the parking lot for this vacation. I did. 
Yeah, you did. And, and nor did I realize being our first vacation that 15 minutes prior to that time, he would be pacing back and forth very irritated that the car was not already packed. So certainly 25 minutes after that time, he was not a happy camper. And I'm thinking, it's vacation. We're leaving within an hour of target time. Like, life is hey, good. We're already in 25 minutes into our vacation, and we've gotten nowhere. Yeah. And so... He puts the van in reverse. It is tense in the car. He puts this rental van in reverse. And I'm like, wait, stop. We don't have any pillows. <laughs> Did I mention we were driving like 3,000 miles with three children and me? I'm like, there's no pillows. And he was like, I don't care. And he <laughs> pulled out and drove away. You, you mentioned tense. That reminds me of a joke. We don't have time for jokes. We're going to go way over. So, shallowing. By the way, at that point, I really didn't have a choice. I was buckled in and the vehicle was moving. It was a little earlier in my Jesus walk. He didn't get voluntary submission. If the thing Now, so what voluntary submission does look like is I work really, really, really hard that if it's important to him, we're going somewhere to be ready at least two minutes before to be downstairs in the kitchen when it's time to leave ready to walk out and that's 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 a and for me it's being trying to be sensitive to the fact that she if we're going on a date night she's spending a little extra time preparing for our date night and so I should be a little more patient yeah on the deep end of what that looks like there was a time when um I was working at North Point High School. I was the events coordinator for the school system. And God was calling me into ministry. But that was voluntary ministry. There was no job opening. There was no paycheck, right? And so God had been working on us. We'd been working on our finances to go from my military paycheck to a school system paycheck and now to no paycheck. And God had clearly said, it's time for you to make this move. But Rick wasn't there yet. And he was like, you can't do this yet. Like, we're not ready yet. And I'm like, no, I crunched the numbers. We're ready to do that. It's okay. I was strategic visioning out two years. Like, we're good. We got this. She crunched them in her head. I crunched them in my head and not, not on, on paper. paper. Yep, that didn't work. And so, and so I am up in the prayer room. Um, we're a couple months into this back and forth debate, debate. And I am up in the prayer room. And I am not having spirit-filled discussion with God. I am having full-blown tantrum with God. I'm like, God, you told me I'm supposed to leave. You told me I'm supposed to volunteer at the church and you'll provide. And you told me this and he's not listening. And so what are you going to do about it? And God was like, what I do with him is between he and I. Right now you are out of order. He is accountable to me for this decision and I will hold him accountable. But you are accountable to the word that says that with your heart right, you need to submit to your husband and follow his lead in this. Y'all, that was hard. But we got there. We got there. Yeah. And a week after I submitted with my heart, I got offered a stipend at the job at the church for exactly what amount of money he was wanting to have replaced in our income before I could leave. My submission, I, I won't, I'm not God, I can't say my submission prompted that. Yeah. But I will say it didn't happen until after I submitted to his will. So, okay, so. Yeah, so guys, uh, do we always submit to God? I mean, that's a question, right? I know my answer is 
a big no. Because we're guys, and so we like to do things. I think you're the only honest one on, in our own, uh, with our own abilities, on our own power, uh, right? And so I know that I have not always been good at submitting to God's will, right, and God's direction. But you know what? How does God respond to that, right? Because He's a just God, He's a patient God, He's He's you know full of mercy and grace, and you know he, He's Jesus is never a jerk when I fail to submit to Him. I mean, He never He doesn't drop the hammer on me. Yeah. So you know my negative or my poor choice doesn't alter God's character, right? Yeah. And so the question is, our wives not submitting to us should that be met with grace? And shouldn't that be met with grace and mercy, right? Rather than anger and retaliation. Yeah. Just a yeah, thought. Yeah, because otherwise it turns into this vicious cycle. Yeah. And that's not okay. And the flip side of that, ladies, is that we won't always, we don't always know why God is asking us to submit to God. Like, we don't always know what God's asking us for. Can I tell you a secret? As your pastor, I don't always agree with what God is asking me to submit to do in my life. I am, I am very, very happy with our home, but I know we're called to move here. And so, God and I have had some conversations about that. But I need to submit. And we won't always understand the why or we won't always agree with the ask from our husbands. But we're called to submit. And I recognize that's tough. And we've hung out in these three verses for a little minute. Yeah. But we're getting ready to see all the responsibilities the guys carry in this. Are we good? Yeah. Ladies, are we good? Are we ready to hear what they need to do? Because submit... Okay. Uh, you know what? Every girl in the room... Repeat after me. Submit. 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 Just get it all out. All the yuck that our mouths want to go. Submit, 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 submit. To God and to our husbands. Now let's turn it over and hear what they need to do. Yeah. But I just think um, that whole submitting thing, as we get further and further, as we mature in our walk with God, right, it gets easier. It does. Right? And we, we... we wrestle and fight less. We do. With God. Yeah. And with each other. And with each other. Yeah. yeah. One question. Yeah. Who got the pillows? <laughs> I, I think... 500 miles into the trip. I think you know that what? was a Walmart stop. Yep. 500 miles into the trip, we stopped and bought pillows. And I'm glad you asked that, Bradley. Thank you, I told Brad. that earlier, and I didn't... I didn't do we need to go back and repeat that whole no. thing? <laughs> okay, so listen, no. we're going to pick up our reading, you guys, uh, verses 25 through 20, 29 in Ephesians 5. So would you just read with us, right? Husbands, Husbands love, love your, your wives, wives just, just as Christ loved the church and gave, gave himself up for her to make her, her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. word. And, and to, to present, present her to himself as a radiant church, church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does for the church. Wow. That's, that's a few pages, right? It's a big list. 
So let's break that down into some little pieces, right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I mean, think of it. Jesus gave his life for the church, right? You talk about sacrificial love, right? So what does that look like uh, to love my wife sacrificially? And for me, uh, and I can think of three areas, right? For her comfort, for her desires, and for her needs, yeah. right? For her comfort, that looks like um, years and years ago when we were first, first come together in Tampa, Florida, right? It is hot in Tampa, Florida. It can is hot an amen, and boys? humid, right? And, you know, I had a new truck that I had just got, and Jen showed up with this old Mustang, not like classic old Mustang, like no. 90s old Mustang. And so you climb up into a truck, you have to climb down into a Mustang. But, but the Mustang, you know, shortly after she got there, the Mustang's air conditioning went out, right? The compressor needed to be replaced. And that was an expensive thing. We didn't have the money for that. Right. So her comfort. We gave her the truck, the air conditioning. The boys and I drove around for two and a half years with a Mustang with the windows down. Thank you. Thank you, men in my life. So, sacrificial so you know, love. that's just an example of sacrificial love, right? What about her desires? Well, Jen talked about, you know, leaving uh, a military career to be more at home with the boys, right? To, mm -hmm. to work in the school system. Eventually, God was leading her into ministry. And so maybe that, that did not maybe, that meant, okay, so maybe I work, I work some us. more hours, right? There's, there's um, some things that maybe we have to uh, go without, right? Some, maybe some things that I would like, but I have to go without because that's a whole, that's a whole part of the sacrificial love, yeah. right? And then her needs. Jen's family background, her mom, her dad, that's not been a very good relationship. It's a disaster. It, it, it really it never has. <laughs> and, and, you know, when we first come together and I'm standing in the background, you know, listening to all of the stuff, I'm ready to, you know, snatch a phone or get in a car. I want to fix something. But the thing is, she didn't need me to fix that. Yeah, that's right. She needed me to be sensitive to her needs. She needed me to hold her, to pray yeah. over her, to listen to her. Yeah. Not go out and fix it. Yeah. So, you know, those are just a, a couple of areas, right? We all have those areas um, and how what sacrificial sacrificial love means to each of us, right? Yeah. And so uh, to move on, right? The next to make her holy, cleansing by the washing of water through the word. Okay, so I want to point out that this does not say by the washing of water through his words. <laughs> it says by the washing of water from the word. Yeah. Men, you don't get this overnight. So Jeremiah, young. Caleb, not as young, but still young. Like, as you boys grow up into men, Caleb, I know you're a man now, but as you grow up, you have to start this process early. Husbands, we need you to know the word. We need you to not ask us to submit to things that are contrary with this word. We need your actions to be guided by God's word. And when we need redirection, we don't need it from your opinions. We need it based and founded in the word. The only way that you will be the kind of husbands that your wives feel safe and want to submit to is if you are the kind of men who are submitted to God 
living by knowing his word and living it out. Yeah, and so what does that mean in washing, washing with the word from a guy's perspective, right? That doesn't mean, um, you know, taking the fire hose and beating her up in washing, right? That is, you know, speaking for me. I, for me, it's speaking blessings over my wife, right? It's 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 um, if she's had a you know a rough day, it's it's speaking blessings over her. Or if she's sleeping and maybe she's tossing and turning, or you know I can tell she's having some dreams, right? And maybe she's having some spiritual spiritual battles there. It's me putting a hand on her while she's sleeping and praying over her. Um, by the way, that is a blessing that I didn't know he was, I didn't know he was doing that. And as we prepared this sermon, he wrote that in the notes. I'm like, you're praying over me at night when I'm sleeping? And he said, I am, I am. And so thank you. <laughs> he is. I'm in love. Sure. And so, but, but you know what? What about when conflict? What about when we're in conflict? Yeah, that's right? different. Am I, am I speaking God's truce to her then? Or am I speaking my opinions, right? Mm -hmm. And we want the answer. It, and it doesn't always happen that I'm speaking God's truths, right? Because none of us are perfect. But, perfect. but guys, yeah. we, need to, we need to work to that. We need to get to that, right? It's not about our opinions. It's about God's will, right? right? And so in Colossians 3, 18 and 19, um, that says, Wives, submit to your husbands, and husbands, love your wives. Wives, sorry. Do not be harsh with them. And so I have to think, you know, a little while ago I was talking about that fire hose, right? If I'm impatient, if I'm irritable, you know, whatever, I'm grumpy, um, and now all of a sudden I'm being a jerk, right? Never. Am I, am I, <laughs> how often though, it's, but it's something to think about. How often am I being harsh with her? How, how often am I scrubbing her or power washing her with a fire hose rather than, you know, washing her with the word and Amen. building her up? through gentleness and encouragement. Because a harsh word can crush a woman. Yeah. Like yeah. I can take, I can take direction, redirection. I can take criticism. I can take it all in kindness. But the minute there's a harsh word, my spirit just sinks. No power wash. No power wash. Only power wash the house. No power washing your wives with the word. So, so let's talk about without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless, right? Colossians teaches us that we are hidden in Christ, right? We're clothed in his righteousness. That's how God sees us. That's how Jesus sees us. Yet we know we have those sins, right? We live with those. We hold on to those blemishes, right? And so the question is, do I choose to see my wife's mistakes? Do I choose to see her blemishes? Or do I let them be washed away? Right? Mm -hmm. First Peter 4.8 says, love covers a multitude of sin. Yeah. So when we first came into our marriage, we had, um, we had a lot of brokenness. You know, we had previous marriages. We had hurt our kids. Like, we, we were just, our, we were We were a mess. We were a mess. And in that, especially in the beginning, we really hurt each other at times. We had difficult moments where we hurt each other. And there was a time early in our relationship when I did something that really hurt my husband. It wounded him. Yeah. Um, I was supposed to say that part. <laughs> um, but you know what? So that was, like Jen said, that we were early on in our walk. And, right, and even though I said, I forgive you and let's move on, I was speaking that from, from me. 
right? I wasn't speaking that from my heart, and I wasn't speaking that. God didn't help me get to that place, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I looked at her. I kept looking at her through the lens of that wound, and I focused on the wrinkle rather than the blamelessness, right? Yeah. The blameless part. And so the great thing is, though, we have grown, yeah. right? Our relationship in God, with God has grown, right? We've, we've focused on God and we've climbed that ladder. So as we climb the ladder, we're getting closer and closer to God. And, you know, we are getting better at um, allowing love to cover the sins, cover those mm -hmm. sins, right? Yeah. Or seeing past those blemishes, right? Overlooking those, wrink those wrinkles. You know, our marriage has... It's a good thing because we're getting more wrinkles. Yeah, <laughs> we are. But our marriage has grown, right? It's thrived. It's gotten so much richer, right? And Jen's submission, through all of that, Jen's yeah. submission has become easier for her. So in, in that, in it, when you're in conflict in your marriage and conflict keeps arising and you're not sure where that conflict is coming from, then one of the questions to ask is, what lens are you viewing your spouse through? Is it through some past hurt? Is it through some blemish? Is it through some stain? Because wives, we can do the same things to our husband. We look at what they did. We hold a count. We hold a record. And that's not what it's supposed to be. Um, we went into, uh, we into premarital counseling um, and we worked uh, with the base chaplain and we went through this Gary Smalley study on marriage and they told this great story um, about this guy and he goes into, uh, he goes into this thrift store, right? And, and he sees this beat up old violin and it's missing some strings and I don't know all the right violin words, but there are parts and pieces missing. It's scratched, it's dinged, it's a mess. And it's like 10 bucks and he's like, well, Maybe I can do something with that. Maybe I can make art of it. Maybe it can be fixed. Like my kid wants to take violin next year. Maybe I'll pick that up. And so he takes it. He shoves it in the back of the closet. It doesn't even have a case. It's like wrapped in a towel in a box. And he shoves it in the closet. And uh, a couple months later, he takes, finally takes it into a music store. And he opens the, he opens the towel up. And, and the guy looks. And his jaw drops. Like, like he's backing up. And the guy's like, is there a bomb? Like what's the problem? You know? And the guy, and he's just overcome with emotion. And he picks up this piece of trash. And he picks it up like a newborn infant, and he's in awe. And he said, it's, it's a Stradivarius. Now, a lot of you may not know what that means. Just a violin. It's just, just a, a violin. violin. Yeah. Um, so Antonio Stradivari was born in 1644, and many argue to this day that he made the finest violins in the world. In 2018, a Stradivarius violin sold for $16 million dollars. And so the point of sharing that was that there are times when I'm going to look a mess, where I've got dints and dings, where I don't have my case on or my face on, however you want to call that, like, you know, where I am not okay. But I don't need my husband to see those stains and blemishes. I need, I need him to look at me. And see Stradivarius. Stradivarius. Yeah. Yep. Stradivarius. All new strings. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Stradivarius. Wow. In the same way, though, husbands love their wives as their own bodies. Don't hate, but feed and care for. Right. That. That part there. Yeah. Wow. Um, so feed and care for. Right. As a provider, as the provider role. Right. Um, it's not. 
So maybe she, maybe she won't work. Or maybe she is going to be this successful businesswoman, right? That that is making you know a bigger paycheck than me. And maybe some, may at some point, maybe it's I won't make the paycheck. So that whole provider role piece, right? But it's it's not about the dollars or who brings the dollars, the dollars in. It's not about the dollars, right? It's about my actions, my decisions, and if they're geared around feeding and caring for her, remembering that Stradivarius piece, right? It's not about the dollars. And so, you know, hey, maybe, maybe it's uh, buying a minivan before, before a boat. Or, you know, for me, it's, and I'm still waiting, it's that zero turn lawnmower. The lawn is not uh, big I mean, enough <laughs> for a zero. You can't even get zero turn. Uh, Erica, can you guys help me? You can't even get a zero-turn lawnmower through our back gate. Right. But <laughs> it's not about that. You're okay. Let's Erica, yeah. Let's, moving on. Let's go in halves on that, Doug. Or, but you know what? Or, you know, so let's be real about this. Maybe it's a girl's weekend way, right, for that stay-at-home mom that is just, you know, she is beat up. She's tired. Not she's taken care. Not beat up, literally, right? But she is just stressed out. She's tired. She's been taken care of two, three, four. I don't know. Kids, right? And she just needs some relaxation time. And so maybe that comes before me going and buying tickets to the Steelers game, or you know, a fancy golf membership at some place, yeah. right? It's that whole. It's our role, guys, being servant leaders, yeah. right? We have to be servant leaders and feeding and caring in both the physical, spiritual, and emotional sense. Yeah. What does that look like? That looks like praying over my wife, right? That's serving my wife, serving my family, right? Because it's not just my wife. It's, it, I'm praying over my boys, my, serving my boys when they need that. It's modeling Christ's walk. Yeah. And it's not always a perfect walk for me, but it's modeling that and it's continuing to strive to be better and better. So and, and let's be honest, guys, that's not always easy. We know we recognize as much as it's hard for women to submit, we recognize that the responsibility that God puts on men to grow up as men, to, to be raised up into husbands is tough. And it's gotta come from that being spirit filled, right? Yeah. Because Yeah. So single men, right? Uh, young men in the room, husbands in the room. This is important, right? This isn't something that can be done for the flesh, right? Lust. What do you mean by that? Well, lust won't bring you this level, that this level of sacrifice, that level of sacrificial love, right? That's right. It it isn't something that can be done from the flesh either, right? It goes back to being surrendered, being surrendered to God, right? It's it has to be done by being spirit filled, filled with the spirit, right? Uh, the truth is, none of us are man enough to do this without, without God or without Jesus, right? Yeah. We just aren't. Amen. We cannot do it on our own. And by the way, ladies, neither are we. And there are times when your husband won't get it right, but that's where we have to remember, just like we won't always submit on a dime. We won't always get that right, right? That love covers a multitude of sin. So we're going to head into the last part of this text, and I'm just going to read this for you. Verse 31 in this passage goes on to say, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one, um, the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So Paul is quoting Genesis there, and I want to stress that it's presumed, because everybody's always like, Well, Pastor Jen, how come the wife doesn't have to leave her family? Well, it was presumed in that time in society that the woman would leave, whether we're talking about 
him quoting Genesis in the Old Testament where it's a tribal thing, it's a tribal society, and the woman was always absorbed into the tribe of the husband, or whether we're in the New Testament time that Paul is writing to, and it's that idea of household and it's an extended household. The wife would automatically leave her family's household with her dowry, with her, with her things, and be taken into the husband's household, which was kind of like a clan. You know, they all lived together. The homes were all connected. And so it was a given that the wife was going to leave. But Paul is saying, we know the wife is going to leave, but even when she comes into the husband's greater household... It is the husband's responsibility to detach spiritually, emotionally, physically from their parents being their number one relationship, human relationship in their life, and turn that to their wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but this is something, and I, I don't know if it's every guy, but it's something I really struggled with, right? I mean, I was trying to respect my parents. It's important to respect your parents, but I'm also trying to respect my wife, right? And when there was a problem, hey, I tried to be Switzerland. I tried to be neutral. That's right. And guess what? When not it, working. It, scripture I don't says, need you to be Switzerland. Well, but Scripture says two become one. So I can't be Switzerland if two are becoming one. I'm joined. I'm one with my wife. Right? She's not joining me. We're one together. So in other words, right. it wasn't your job to stand in between a disagreement no. between me and your mom. It no. was your job, stand one beside with you. me, to it, yeah. stand beside Yeah, stand me. beside. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, if, if there is an issue, well, it's not even that. Because there will be an issue. We all have. We that. all have issues, right? It's not that I'm for her and against my parents in these cases, right? It's that I'm one with her. Right, and whether that's the effect, we're the offender, or we're the offended, or whatever that is, but we stand together as one to solve, or to make amends, yeah. or to work it out, right. define it, whatever that is. But we stand as one. Yeah. Are we good in the room with that? That's tough. I know at times. You know really what else tough. is? You know what this passage doesn't say? It doesn't say parents leave your children. Parents, kids. Parents are always going to struggle with this. Whether you're 25 or 18 or 45, your mom and dad, their job is to protect you, to take your side, to defend you. That is what they were created to do. And so I know whenever we do have premarital counseling, one of the first things we say is one of the number one rules, do not, do not, do not go running to your parents with a problem in your marriage because it's their job to take your side. And you will forget about it. You and your spouse will fix the problem. And three weeks later, your mama is still going to be really mad at your husband for what he did to you. And you're yeah. like, oh, actually, that was my fault. She doesn't care. It's her job to defend <laughs> you. Right? And so with that, parents in the room, parents in the room, listen up. Parents online, listen up. It is your child's job to leave and cleave. Right. It doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean they don't respect you. It means God calls them to leave and cleave. And it actually is our role to become the neutral party. It's our role to be neutral and not nosy in their marriage. Mm. Are we okay? Amen, parents? Okay. All right. So let's wrap this up. Um, I think this boils all boils down to the last verse, right? Verse 33. And I'm just going to read this to you guys. Yeah. It, okay, Actually, it is why don't done. we read it together? All right. Yeah. Let's this read it is together. important one. However, 
Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Wow. So let me just, let me go to the ladies. Ladies, right? So we're men. God wired us to need respect. That is the one thing, right? Because we talk about love and respect, but God created us, men, wired us that way to be, to be, to be for respect. And, you know, that's tough for us sometimes because we're wired to be loved, so we think yeah. the best way we can love on them is to love on them and yeah. spoil them, and yeah. that's not actually what they need yeah, the most. The, so, it, yeah, respect, it, it's more important than being spoiled or pampered. We need to be secure knowing that you trust in us, right? That you believe in, in us, believe in us enough to care for you, that you believe in us to do what is best for you, and for our families, mm -hmm. right? And guys, more importantly, we have to create that safe, loving environment that invites our wives to that place, yeah. right? And in that, we have to not diminish or challenge their authority, especially not in front of the kids or other people. We have to have confidence in them and show that we believe in their leadership. Men in the room, whether you are single and working on your me, whether you are dating or married, we ladies need you to listen and understand. Before we need you to fix the problem, before we need your logic and tactical expertise, before we need your decision or your request for our submission, we need to know. We need to know that we are loved by you, that we are cherished by you. We need you to be gentle with us and care for us. We need to be your Stradivarius. And I was going to make a sign so I could put it up on your forehead, but I forgot. Sorry. Stradivarius? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Thanks. It'll cover that worry <laughs> wrinkle that I get. So uh, we've talked about a lot today, but while you know the actions of love and respect are different, the focus is the same. Spouse, right? Spouse first. That, that level, yep. God, spouse, family. My spouse is my priority human relationship in my life. And that's important, I guess, to put that in there, right? Because I was thinking about that human, right? Because it is God, yeah. but as a for the human relationship piece. And before parents and before children, before friends and coworkers, your spouse comes first. I'm trying to hold your hand, not oh. tap your thigh. Sorry. Okay. Whew. Thought I was getting sequestered. If you're dating and... <laughs> We just all keep it real because that's who we are, right? And so if you're dating and you aren't willing to go there to that yeah, level of yeah. self-sacrifice, of sacrificial love, of respect, if you aren't ready to go there, then you're not ready to be married. And if you are married and you're not there, then it's time to realign, to pivot right? And get yourself in alignment with God's word. You know, so we, just, can oh, I, to, yeah. so uh, you were just saying that, and I, I'm sorry to throw you under the bus, Alberto, but oh. sacrificial Phew, marriage. No, it just, we were talking about that sacrificial piece and what you did that day. I, it still, it still warms my heart, what you spoke over James during the wedding. Yeah, and he so made vows that, to James. And that is sacrificial. Yeah. That is sacrificial. So, sorry. So. Nope, okay. that's good. So we got some questions for you guys. For all of us, really, because we have the same questions. For, for us, us guys. Right? Got yeah. some questions for us. us. All of us. So um, do you need to give consideration to your me and prepare yourself for marriage? 
Uh, do you need to refocus some things in your marriage to get to that submissive submission or sacrificial love? Or do you just need to be prepared to give better advice, godly advice as a royal priesthood to the world around you when the marriage problems come pouring through the door as they always do? Yeah. For us as a church, Bridge Family, our society is shaped by families and by marriages. Yeah. And as Christians, our, our marriages are to be a living testimony to Christ in the church. Yeah, it's time. It's time uh, to be the people. It's time for the, the people we marry to pick up that mantle, right? To be a positive influence in our families and in our communities. Yeah, and to do all of that is unto the Lord. Because at the end of the day, we are submitting to his authority. We are loving one another with Christ's love. And we are anchoring ourselves in the life that he's called us to live, which is not a life of ball and chain, but is an abundant life, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true. Abundant, yeah. All right. Yeah. I think, you guys, I know this was a little different, and I know we walked through this, but our prayer is that you would be equipped as we unpack this together. Yeah. Amen. And so, would you guys... Does he need that mic? Um, let us pray. Dear God, we thank you, as always, for the instruction that your word provides. And so as I stand here with my husband, I um, lift up all the women in the room, all the wives, mm -hmm. all of the future wives, all the mentors of wives, and I pray, God, that you would help us to better understand that word submission. Mm -hmm. God, help us to... As Pastor Jen and Pastor Rick shared this morning, recognize that we are first and foremost submitting to you. That's right. We recognize from our own experience with you that you do ask us to do some things that we don't quite understand and sometimes, but we trust you. And so it makes it easy to say yes over and over. And so in our marriages, God, in our relationships, God, help us to trust you first mm -hmm. knowing that you have our husbands in your hands that you are their guide you are their direction and we trust that you will work all things together for our good because we love you mm -hmm. and we are called according to your purpose and then god i pray that you will help us to honor and respect and yeah. build up mm -hmm. the man of god in our lives Help us, God, to be vehicles that speak those things that are not as though they are. Help us to make sure that they feel the love, the respect, the honor that's in our hearts. And if it's not there, God, if it's lacking, we confess that to you, too, and pray that you, the creator, the great I am, that you create that in us. Yes. Thank you for what you called us to be as godly wives. Lord, I thank you for marriage, Lord. I thank you for this covenant relationship, Lord. Uh, and as men, Lord, let us operate, Lord, like you did, Lord. The, you're the perfect example, Lord, the bridegroom, Lord, for the church, Lord. And so let us operate with our wives in, in love, Lord, and, and being humble, Lord, and being meek, Lord, and being understanding, Lord, to always putting them first, Lord. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen.